0: Hey there listeners, it's Brian. Before we get started with this episode, I just wanted to let you know about a little guest spot I did on another podcast. It's called Ohio Mysteries, and they do stories about true crime and mysteries that take place in Ohio, and a good chunk of it centers around Northeast Ohio, where Ashvin and I are from, so it was a special little treat for me to guest on their show. So if you want to listen to the episode I'm on, you can go to their website, ohiomysteries.com, or search Ohio Mysteries on wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and look at the episode called The Berlin Lake Murders. Uh, I think on the website you click on 1993, Death at the Berlin Reservoir. Uh, so it's great. It's a great show. The co-hosts, Steve and Paula, are great. And Paula has 30 years working for the Akron Beacon Journal as a reporter, so it really... Lends a lot of credence to their show, and they do their research, so I highly recommend it. I've listened to every episode, and I really enjoy it. So yeah, every episode they do this segment at the end where they have an armchair expert come and give their opinion on the case. And that was me for this Berlin Lake episode. So go there, check it out, and while you do, listen to all their other stuff and give them a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, on with the show. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Cabin Fever from 2002. Directed by Eli Roth, written by Eli Roth and Randy Perlstein, starring Ryder Strong, Jordan Ladd, James DeBello, Serena Vincent, and Joey Kern. I chose this movie because, as I've mentioned in past episodes, I'd like to spend some of 2019 catching up on movies from notable horror directors that I haven't seen, and I've never seen a single Eli Roth movie, except until this one. Uh, You've seen this one, right, bud? Uh, Yeah, I I
1: saw this one uh, a long time ago, I I think when it came out, Um, but it was a fun one to revisit. I I forgot uh, how uh you know all the different parts of this is, is kind of cool to get this one refreshed
0: i uh, you know eli roth he's such a interesting director yeah so eli roth hasn't done a ton he's done Hostel, and Hostel part two and the green inferno from a few years ago and then this year he did house with a clock in its walls with like jack black it's like a fantasy movie rather than a horror movie i think is he's more of an actor than than a director is that fair Is he? I don't
1: think so. I didn't look at his acting credits, though. Uh, I think he's been in a bunch of movies. Uh, You ever seen Glorious Bastards? Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in that. He he was one of the guys in that. I guess he's in Scream 4. I think he's got a brief role in Cabin Fever, too, right? He does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think his his acting career... uh, I think he's acted in a bunch more films than he's actually directed.
0: Okay, all right. But he's not, like, a lead, typically. No, yeah, it was, it was. he's not good enough. He's not cutting the lead material. Yeah. Speaking of not quite lead material, Ryder Strong was in Boy Meets World <laughs> as uh, yeah. Boy's best friend. Crap, I can't remember Ben Savage's character's name now. Corey? Corey, yep. Co- Corey and Topanga. And Sean. Yeah. Sean
1: was Ryder Strong's character. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so cool because I don't think I've seen him in anything since Boy Meets World uh, or since Cabin Fever. Me neither. I, I, yeah. Me neither. I think he was in Cabin Fever 2. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Hey, what's what's the deal? There's like a new Cabin Fever out there. I, you know, when you mentioned this one, I, I found one on Netflix and I started watching it. And it was a 2017 or 2016 one. Or it's, no, sorry, maybe it was 2014. Um, did you, There's did
0: you Cabin s- Fever Patient Zero in 2014. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what it was. And then there was a remake from the original script in 2016 that I think was just called Cabin Fever. Oh, that's definitely what it was then. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> there's also Cabin Fever 2, I think. Uh-huh. So, it's quite a lot. Yeah. Um, let me real quick tell people what this movie is about, and then we'll keep going on that topic. Uh, so... A group of college kids rent a cabin in the woods and soon fall victim to a flesh-eating virus, which begins to attract the attention of the locals, but not in a good way. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's cabin fever. Then there's cabin fever, too. Mm-hmm. And I think Eli Roth may have wrote, written that concept and then Ty West directed it. Oh, cool. Um, Ty West being another... Prominent horror director. Mm -hmm. And then the producers had it like re-edited and reshot so much that West requested to have his name removed. Oh no kidding. Credits. But unsuccessfully. So his name is still attributed to it. Yeah. There is this rule. I think it's I don't know if it's the Screen Actors Guild or some other like Hollywood labor association. That if you're a director of the movie and feel that the control of the movie has been kind of removed from your hands, Mm -hmm. you can request that your name be taken off of it and replaced with the name Alan Smithy. (laughs) This one name that it goes to? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a big list of movies where the director is Alan Smithy. Wow. And that's just like a fictional person? Yep actually you know what i can't remember if it was a fictional person or a real person who like did that for the first time
1: yeah uh man that's awesome i'd love to like do a whole marathon of
0: uh the, his movies I mean, yeah right yeah it'd be so bad yeah yeah that'd be terrible uh, uh hellraiser bloodline from 1996
1: is one of them oh man wow one of the hellraisers that's crazy uh i
0: was cabin fever 2 any good or d- has it gotten like decent reviews uh, I didn't look at the reviews, but the guy at my local video store said that he liked Kevin Fever 2 even better than the original.
1: Yeah. I would imagine. I mean, Ty West is like a pretty good director. I mean, we've, we've liked his stuff, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, uh, and, and that's cool that, Sh- uh, Sean, Ryder Strong's still in it. It's pretty awesome. Yep.
0: I'll check it yeah. out. Still riding strong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, so I was unaware that this is kind of like a horror comedy.
1: Yeah, I was, I think I was unaware of that too. But this time when I was watching it, like, you know, after so many years, there were actually like a lot of funny elements. Did you pick up on those while watching it? Yeah. I mean, it's, they're all out jokes in this movie. Yeah. I feel like this one's kind of trolling like that whole series of like late nineties, early 2000, like teen movies.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very much influenced by... Well, Lena, Yeah, kind of. Like what the It kinda has a setup of like um like Euro Trip or Road Trip or something yeah, like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, I think some of the actors and actresses like it that one of the actresses is from like not another teen movie. Um yeah. so it, it just seems like it was kinda of using a similar format or formula and uh, trying to make fun of it.
0: Yeah. It's also like very much an homage to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Evil Dead, like groups of young adults go to a cabin or go on a trip together. Did you see that Eli Roth wrote this in 1995, but since horror wasn't really seen as profitable anymore, a lot of the studios passed on it, and then like the release of Scream in 1996 kind of changed the scene and got people interested again?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That that's, that's Scream brought him back into it.
0: Yeah, and this, this ended up being, it was picked up by Lionsgate, and it was the highest grossest film released by Lionsgate in 2003.
1: This, this was an interesting time for horror films. Like, I guess the Scream franchise was probably on like three or four by this point, right? Um, and, and I think The Ring was also coming out around uh, early 2000s. Is that right?
0: Yeah, Ring Goo came out in 1999, so Ring, The Ring was probably like 2001, maybe?
1: Yeah, it's like Japanese, or J-horror was like starting to get big uh, in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so this, this is kind of a cool, I, I feel like this is pretty unique for the time, like the blend of like horror, comedy, kind of like, uh, you know, almost like a parody of some stuff, but still like Yeah, kind of, especially
0: for like a big theatrical release. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, this is an unfortunate timing thing. I don't know if you read this. So there's a scene where this character Marcy- it's talking about how she's like, it's like being on a plane when you know you're going down and everyone knows mm-hmm. they're going to die. Yeah. The auditions for her character were on 9-11. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And so like the actors had to come say that line on that day. Yeah, yeah. That's That's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah. They I like tried to reschedule the auditions but couldn't for some reason. Yeah.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, it's like 9-11 or like the day after, and you're having to say this line for a horror movie that's about being stuck on a plane. Yeah, pretty. I, mean, nuts. I can't imagine that. Uh, did you read another uh, I, I funny thing about that actress in, in this movie? Um, she so she was in not another teen movie, and I think like you see like she exposes her top and and her bottom, and uh, I think Eli Roth wanted her to expose herself in this one, but she didn't want to like it. You know, branded as the girl that does that. So, like, they negotiated and finally she's like, yeah, I'll show, like, an inch. And so he, like, measured out, like, an inch of her butt and, like, taped the sheet to it or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so
0: crazy. <laughs> I, it is so crazy to me to imagine, like, a director and an actress, like, arguing over how much nudity to, uh, like... I know. I could just, like, never in a million years picture myself in that conversation.
1: Yeah. Doesn't that just seem like so 2002? It does. (laughs) Yeah. How much of your butt do you want to show? You got to show more of your
0: butt. Yeah. There's, I don't know how much more background I want to talk about other than I got an Ohio connection to get to, but what else do you want to get in before we get into the plot? Well, it was was, was shot
1: uh, in your part of the world, right? In North Carolina. Oh, that's Uh,
0: true. Yeah. It was shot um, probably like three hours away from here, kind of near Durham and Winston-Salem, North Carolina.
1: Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh yeah. And and uh, I think it got like pretty decent reviews for
0: uh for a horror film, right? I think it did at the time, yeah. And it had a it only had a one point five million budget and got thirty million at the box office, so wow. that's not too bad.
1: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And uh I think like when this movie came out, like it kind of branded Eli Roth as like this uh uh really um I, I think well I think Hostler really kind of solidified his footprint in like the torture porn. Uh, genre, I'm not sure if this one people saw as, like, overly graphic, uh, what what, what do
0: you think? Yeah, I mean, this one's definitely graphic, but it's, it's not torture porn at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, there's some gross scenes, though, that stick with you, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Definitely some gross-out scenes.
1: Yep. Uh, and, and then I think the story was like inspired by, uh, a skin eating disease like he ran into when he was like in Iceland, which even today, like sometimes I pick up the paper and I, I, I read, well, I don't pick up a paper, but I, I hear stories about, <laughs> uh, I hear stories about like skin eating, uh, you know, diseases are like, yeah, flesh eating diseases out there. Yeah. I actually
0: found a news story about a woman, a 16 uh, year old who was canoeing on the little Miami river in Southwest Ohio who got. Flesh eating bacteria, and it was just like eating away at her foot. Oh man, is that, is
1: that river by where you went to school?
0: Uh, I think it is, yeah.
1: Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, that's that. that's pretty freaky. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty scared to go near bodies of water because of this.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, that is some gnarly stuff. Yeah, so the that's one Ohio connection, but there's quite a few people on the special effects team from Ohio. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so the effects were done by KNB, EFX Group. Mm-hmm. Um, so KNB FX Group, and that was founded by three guys, one of which is Greg Nicotero, who I think maybe we've mentioned on the podcast before. He got his big break working on the third movie in George Romero's Dead series, Day of the Dead. Okay. And he was working like under Tom Savini's tutelage. Mm-hmm. And now he does, th- their group has done tons of big stuff and like um, Greg Notaro is heavily involved in The Walking Dead.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, he has no connection wow. to Ohio, but one of the other dudes, Robert Robert Kurtzman is from Crestline, Ohio, which is like Northern Ohio. Oh, cool. And the other dude, Howard Berger is not from Ohio, but another guy on the effects team named Alan Tusks uh, is from Lakewood. Wow. So two guys on this team are from Ohio? Yeah. Wow. Nice. And I didn't, I wouldn't have recognized Alan Tusk's name, but, um, shout out to our super fan, Alex. He gave me a copy of like the scene magazine from Cleveland with a cover story on Tusks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so Tusk, uh, he's part of
1: this group that does effects for movies. He
0: is. Yeah. I don't know if he's part of KNB or if he's just like a solo dude. Oh, Okay. But uh, he also worked on Tusk, the movie.
1: Oh, man. And his last name's Tusk?
0: Yeah. Or maybe it's like great. Tusks or Tuske, but T-U-S-K-E-S. Wow. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. I wonder if the
1: movie was named after him. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why else it would be called Tusk. <laughs> but yeah, that, they they did do, they do some great work, uh, whoever these effects guys are. The
0: effects were awesome in this movie. Yeah. Yep. Anything else? Uh, no. That's, that's all I got. All right. Cool. Let's get into the plot, but I got to take a quick break. Um, I'm going to take my wife to the airport tomorrow, and I just want to go out and clean out our car real quick before I do that. Okay, cool. All right, cool. I'll be right back.
1: Okay, man, I'm back. Nice. You clean out the car?
0: Yeah, yeah. As you know, I've been sick and had this cough, so I just had to clean up all the blood off the windshield that I've been coughing up. Ah, man. This is not the worst. Uh,
1: I feel like they need wipers on the inner windshield, you know, (laughs) inside. For those times when you cough up blood on
0: it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. When will we see internal wipers? I
1: know. (laughs) So much blood coming up. Uh, Yeah. Well, good thing you're driving her to the airport, and hopefully you know, on the flight, everything's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, one's,
1: no one's coughing up blood there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. Well, getting into the plot here. Um, so basically, it centers around five college kids. They've just finished finals, and they drive to this remote cabin in the woods for vacation. They make a stop at the local Podunk, Gen- Podunk General Store. Uh the guy who mans the general store warns them not to go in the woods. So I think we've seen that and talked about that before. You, you go to a new place, stop in a local joint, and get a warning. It's kind of a yeah. trope. Uh While they're there, Ryder Strong's character Paul gets bitten on the hand by some random kid. <laughs> yeah. And you think that's going to be crucial. It kind of ends up being crucial later, but not in the way you think. Um Anyway, they get to the cabin. They're hanging out doing college kid stuff. These two characters, Marcy and Jeff, are a couple, so they're in the cabin having sex. Ryder Strong's character, Paul, and his friend Karen are just friends but have romantic tension, and they have their first kiss. And then there's this goofy loner dude, or loner in that he's not part of a couple, Bert, and he, like, goes out shooting squirrels. Yeah, your fifth wheel. yeah. And while doing so, he accidentally shoots this hobo who's out there. Uh, I don't think the hobo is, like, seriously wounded by the gunshot. I mean, it's a gunshot, but I think he just got him in the leg or Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think Um, he only had, like, a BB gun or something, right? Or, like, a pellet gun?
0: He called it a BB gun, but it was clearly a rifle or shotgun. okay. Okay. So then this hobo is, like, asking for help, and it looks like there's something else wrong with him. He's acting strange and looks infected. And yes, yeah, his, his face is kind of bloody, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we actually saw this dude at the start of the film hunting and he like came back to find his dog, like all rotted and bleeding.
1: Oh, that was the guy. I didn't recognize him. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, so Bert is just freaked out by this dude and probably freaked out by the fact that he just shot him and he just ends up leaving him in the woods and runs back to the cabin and doesn't tell anybody about it. Yeah. Bert's kind of like a meathead, right? He is. Yeah. Yeah. So later that night, this hobo dude shows up at the door asking for help. He looks even worse than before. His face is like rotting away. And they have a bit of a heated debate. um, And they refuse to let him in, ultimately. Then he goes out and tries to steal their car. And he's like vomiting blood all over the car. And they go out there trying to scare him off. And they're banging up the car with bats and stuff, trying to hit him or scare him. And they somehow end up accidentally lighting him on fire in the chaos. (laughs) Yeah. As as one does. Yeah. (laughs) So we see him, like, run off and die. And unbeknownst to the main characters, he, he does die. And his body is then, like, rotting in this lake. And the camera pans, like, over this pipe that's coming from the lake into the cabin. So it's their source of drinking water. And then the next day, a cop shows up who's, like, heard about... You know, there's all sorts of chaos and noise out here. So he's just checking on things and they tell him what happened. They tell him that their car is now destroyed and won't run. And he says he'll send up a tow truck.
1: This, this cop is like pretty hilarious though, right? he's like this really like young kid. They like just like wants to talk about like partying and stuff.
0: Yeah. He looks like a teenager and he's just talking about like chicks and partying and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I
1: really like that casting. I think it was kind of kinda an odd did. touch. I kind of did too.
0: Um, Karen is really upset about all this cause she presumes they just killed the guy and Paul is comforting her and they start to become intimate in a third base kind of way. <laughs> you still know your bases. Nice. <laughs> Dude, I actually looked them up for this. Oh, nice. Cause Which I like base? wrote that down third base kind of way in my notes and I was like, Oh, is that the third base? Yeah. <laughs> and there's some debate.
1: There's debate on what qualifies for each base. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I thought it was. I pretty, think some uh... people
0: count second bases above the waist touching. Uh huh. And third bases any kind of below the ba- below the waist business. Yeah, I mean that that was just that. So yeah, that that's definitely like third base then, right? Yeah. Yeah, but some people consider this second base. Wow. Oh. Hands hands below the waist.
1: Oh, then what? Oh, oh, okay, got it.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, hands. So hands. Yeah. He then realizes he's got blood on his hands, and she realizes she's like bleeding from sores on her legs and her groin. And the whole group decides to isolate her out in this shed so that they don't get sick too. They're still taking care of her and bringing her food and stuff, but they don't want to be near her. She's she's pretty upset about all that though. Like my friends like putting me in this.
1: Shed in like abandoning me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And who wouldn't be? We've all yeah. been there. Yeah. Um, and we also saw earlier that she drank a glass of water from the sink. So presumably that's how she got sick. Mm-hmm. Earlier on the campfire, Bert and Jeff challenged each other that like they won't drink anything but beer for their entire stay. So you're kind of wondering if maybe they'll end up being in the clear. Right. But later we see Bert accidentally drink some water himself. He then later finds a way to fix up the truck enough for them to drive out of there, and they try to load up Karen and go. It's clear she's not going anywhere because she like barfs blood all over the inside of the car. So nobody else wants to get in the car and go, but Bert then admits that he's sick, and he's going to go try to get help. Jeff, the one dude, just is like, I can't be around you guys, I'm going to get sick, and runs into the woods, taking with him a bunch of beer. That leaves Paul and Jeff's girlfriend, Marcy, and then Marcy gives a speech where people who think they're going to, like when you think you're going to die, you just want to have sex <laughs> with the person next to you in a plane when you're about to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leads to Paul and Marcy impulsively having unprotected sex. Just a terrible time to have unprotected sex. Yeah.
1: I know. Just as like this disease is like running rampant. And yeah. Cute. Yeah. Um, but, so, but then but then, right afterward, there's that funny scene where he's like pouring Listerine uh, on himself. Yeah. On his penis. Yeah. <laughs> is a, yeah that's, that's protection 101. Like a mo- morning after type pill. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know that trick. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs>
0: Uh, you actually have to drink it with your penis and then spit oh. it back out for that. Time. <laughs> it's a pretty, yeah, yeah, gargle it. <laughs> yeah, um, so then as they're having sex, Paul like puts his hands on her back, kind of like a nails on her back thing, but pretty gently. But it still leaves these red marks. And then later, you realize that. Her skin is starting to decay there and there's this really gross scene where she's shaving her legs in the bathtub and her skin is just peeling off. Yeah, that seems so hard. Yeah. Ugh, the stomach, that's pretty bad, yeah. Um. So how Marcy gets it, I'm not sure. At one point they show a glass of tea on a table and they mm-hmm. don't allude to, they don't show who drank it, but presumably it was Marcy. I think it was like where she was sitting,
1: but I would think tea would be safe because you're boiling the water. But maybe not.
0: Right? I wondered about that, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe this Um, thing just had a high uh,
0: boiling point or something. Yeah. So Paula ends up going on a walk while, while she's doing this leg shaving thing. He's out on a walk. Maybe he's looking for help or something. And he finds the body of this dude that they burned in the reservoir and realizes that the water is the source of things. He also falls into the reservoir. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was the worst. Like he figures <laughs> yeah. out what's
0: causing, it and then he falls into the water. It was pretty dumb. Yeah. So he comes back to find that Marcy is was presumably sick, as and has been mauled by this like dog that's been kind of terrorizing them the whole stay. He also finds the dog then in the shed chewing on Karen. Um, he ends up shooting the dog. And he presumes Karen's dead, but then she rolls over, and her face is just completely rotted away. Mm-hmm. In kind of, even though it's really gross, I think it's like the best shot of the movie.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty haunting to see her
0: do that. Yeah, pretty haunting image. He ends yeah. up, kind of, then mercy killing her by bludgeoning her with a shovel or a pick or something. Mm-hmm. Bert comes back to the cabin. And he's being chased by this local posse of three dudes because he went back to that general store and that same kid bit him. Again, he this kid's biting people. <laughs> and it looks like when the dude bites him, the kid bites him, he realizes that he got sick or something. I don't know how that how everybody knows it, but the kid's dad and other two dudes like realize this kid just got infected by this yeah. guy.
1: Yeah, I didn't understand that part. Like, how did they know right away that, like, because this kid was biting everyone who came that way, but suddenly... Yeah, like, I don't know if they...
0: This and, like, the, the general store owner tells them to stay out of the woods, so I don't know if they know that there's risk of this virus or bacteria or whatever in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's one thing uh, that was never clear, like, how, how where were these people, like, the townspeople, or, like, these 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 hicks in terms of uh, what was going on
0: there? Yeah. I'm not sure either. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, Bert comes back to the cabin. These three dudes are not that far behind him, but him and Paul kind of get set up in the cabin to ambush them when they try to come in. Bert ends up dying in the conflict, but then they also end up killing these three dudes. And that leaves only Paul as a survivor and our other guy, Jeff, has run off into the woods. We don't really know what's up with him hmm. Paul ends up getting to a hospital, but it's pretty clear once he's at the hospital that the town just wants to get rid of him, like get rid of all these infected kids and try not to spread the disease. So the cop ends up like it's under the guise that they're transferring him to another hospital, but the cop just ends up dumping him in like a local creek. Oh, is that what ha- I can tell what happened? Yeah, you don't see it happen, but then later you see his body in a creek. So I presume that's what happened. Oh,
1: uh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, that's his body at the end? Yep.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, Paul was actually trying to warn the cop that the water supply has this disease in it, but it the message didn't get across and he ends up dumping him in the water. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, we see that Jeff has just kind of holed out in a cave drinking beer, and he has survived. And he returns to the cabin the next day and has this kind of cathartic emotional moment where he's sad that all of his friends are dead, but he's also kind of feeling glory that he's survived this ordeal and he's made it out. And so he's kind of like holding his hands up in the air in triumph and like, I made it, I made it. (laughs) And then a bunch of cops surround the place and shoot him. Yeah, (laughs) that was pretty good. Yeah, not to spoil uh, another movie, but very similar to the ending of Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the final shots, we see these young kids getting water from a creek that ends up being the creek that Paul's body is in and then selling lemonade with that water to a bunch of cops. And we also see a truck leaving town labeled Down Home Spring Water. So presumably the infection is going to be spread far and wide. And that's it. Yeah, the townspeople
1: in this one, I feel like they brought, like, such a comedic element to the, the movie.
0: Yeah, the guy who ran the shop was especially funny. That sequence at the end when those guys come to pick up the gun. <laughs> yeah, so this is, I think this is another reason that, like, some movie studios were kind of passing on this movie. The When they go into the general store in the beginning, they, like, see the gun on the wall and ask him, like, what's that gun for? And the owner says, "Oh, that's for the n words," and they just assume that he's this horrible hillbilly racist. And then, in one of the final scene, scenes, you see like three black people coming up to the shop, and they're like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And the shop is like, "Hey, my n words," and, and he's he like, like pulls "Okay, pulls the I rifle like, down, right?" Yeah, he's like, "I fixed it up for you and cleaned it and everything, and here it is." Like, yeah, they were just customers. Yeah, (laughs) it's still probably not okay to use that word in the movie, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Meant to be meant to be a comedic thing. And they like assumed that this they assumed something about this shop owner that wasn't true.
1: Yeah, it was was like bits like that throughout the movie that felt like uh, like that style of humor. um, Those like kind of random, like kind of side quips felt like very like teen movie esque of, of like that period.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was very of the period in, in terms of the comedy, and uh, as we were talking before we started recording, they also used gay as an insult and uh, retard as an insult, which people were way more casual about doing in 2002.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It was only like uh, 16, 17 years ago, but
0: yeah. uh, d- different times. <laughs> different times, man. Yeah. I can't believe it, it was only... 15. Yeah. 15. Yeah. What? 17 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even,
1: uh, you know, the, the scene where, so I mean like the, the whole story, they're kind of setting up uh rider strong, like his character, um, as, uh, you know, he's in love with this, this girl that he's with. Um, and they're like friends, but like, they haven't like really made it move. And that scene, like he comes on to her, like while she's sleeping. Um, I feel like that was pretty inappropriate.
0: That was a little inappropriate too. Yeah. Like it seemed like it was a consensual thing, but it—I it, don't know—a little something felt a little creepy
1: about it. For a while, I kind of thought there was like an implied metaphor because um, the two girls who get it—it's uh, like after he touches them, and, it, and it's where like he touches them that like the rashes start to break out. So I had the idea that maybe there's like something they're saying, like you know, when he's like touching them in like the, these places going to second or third base or whatever, or, or getting a home run like he does with the other girl, um, if, if that had something to do with it. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he wasn't trying to do anything too deep here except, you know, tell a scary, funny yeah. story, which was an homage to some movies that he really liked. I think you're right, yeah. I don't think Eli Roth was shooting for any deep punches. Yeah. But who knows, yeah. man. What, what do you think of this movie? Zero to five skinless faces. Oh, skinless feet. Fi- yeah, uh, I, I I
1: like this one. I, I think I'd give it a, a four, just because I, I think it's like a unique blend of like horror and comedy and and gore, and uh, I I think it was pretty unique for the time it came out. And while like some elements of it don't hold up uh, in our modern time, I think it had a place back in two thousand two and kind of set up a, a new genre and a career for Eli Roth. What What about you? What do you think? Yeah, uh,
0: I give it three. Wow. I, I liked it, but I wasn't really wowed by it. Uh, the effects were really good, and like it effectively achieved repulsion. Um, and the acting was good too, but I didn't find it really that funny, I, just entertaining. Um, and the story wasn't that original, but it was well told, and the pacing was good. Um, there wasn't anything too special about it to me, but it was a solid movie. Sure. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it, it isn't like
1: that original and like the premise has so like been done so many times like the whole Cabin in the Woods thing, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. I I feel like what, what the most unique part of this movie was like the townspeople and like the interactions with them. And uh, I almost felt like there was commentary going on and like, you know, these, these kids and like, you know, making fun of like that genre of you know these high schoolers or college kids who like just want to come to these places and party. And then these like kooky uh, locals who like interact with them and like can't really tolerate them, uh, but are kind of like set in like backwards ways and kind of like making light of them too. I I kind of like that dynamic of those two groups coming
0: together was
1: one of the more interesting parts of this
0: movie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is kind of interesting and unique. I I dig what you're saying about it being a little bit groundbreaking, especially to be such a popular movie and walk the line of like horror and comedy and. And everything, right. and just the type of movie it was, it did feel a little ahead of its time. Yeah, would you would you watch the sequels or the prequels or the remake? Um, yeah. After I've crossed quite a few other movies off my list, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, I
1: feel like I would just just to see how Ty West uh, interprets it. In yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean the. This movie isn't original in that it is a take on stuff like *Evil Dead* or *Texas Chainsaw Massacre*, but it does. The tone of it is a little different. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the originality comes in.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a unique tone for sure.
0: Yeah. All right, man. Well, anything else? Uh, no. it was a, it was
1: a fun one to rewatch. I think I appreciated it more on the second viewing. Cool.
0: All right, well, that is our discussion on Cabin Fever, and we hope you enjoyed it. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook. We're at Horror Movie Club Podcast. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Check out our website, horrormovieclub.com. Our logo is done by Amy May Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, don't have unprotected sex with your friend's girlfriend (laughs) unless you have uh, some listerine handy (laughs) yeah unless unless you're prepared to do some penis gargling with (laughs) some listerine yes